welcome to the Nolan Podcast from National Oil and Lube News. I'm digital reporter Hannah Bubser. Success can be measured in many different ways when you're a franchise owner in this industry. For today's episode, I spoke with Mike Biddle, COO of the Alamitos Group, which was recently crowned Jiffy Lube Franchisee of the Year to gain his perspective on what it means to succeed. All right, so just to start, how about you give me your elevator pitch on the Alamitos Group? What do you want people to know about you? So uh, the Alamitos Group, we are a, a family-owned and operated chicken franchise. Um, my brother-in-law and I purchased our first location in 1995. And since then, we have grown to 22 locations uh, in California and Arkansas. We um, have recently added another partner in Arkansas, which has been real exciting for us. And uh, really have focused on steady growth throughout the last almost 27 years uh, and uh, uh, really had a great time um, developing the business in that period. So the Alamitos Group recently won Jiffy Lube Franchisee of the Year. What, in your opinion, would you list as your group's qualifying factors for winning that title? What really makes you think you kind of stood out? Well, and I, it's, it's obviously I didn't choose it, um, that title, but we are certainly very honored to have been named uh, Franchise of the Year for JP Loop. Um, I think there probably was a few things that helped us earn that honor. Uh, over the last several years, we have worked really hard to increase our guest counts and sales year over year, especially with some of our newer services that JP Loop offers. We built a a brand new training center uh, specifically designed to train brake fluid exchange, brake replacement and spark plug replacement. We were fortunate enough to have a designated or a a secondary uh, building at one of our locations that we could convert into that training room. And, uh, and built just a, a really cool um, table that you, our, our trainees can can hands-on practice those services, which is, is great. We have um, a designated area manager responsible for overseeing the training and execution of those services. Um, we have developed a, a really thorough career development path that our team members follow from their first day with our group and then through their first year and then beyond. And not only do they learn specifics about performing the various services we offer, but the training plan also includes training on customer service, scheduling, inventory, other management functions. Our career development plan also includes a leadership development program for our service center managers and assistant managers, which is a program that uses Jiffy Lube International's management training as a foundation. And then we further built up on that by integrating battlefield leadership principles that um, were taught by Jocko Willink and Lee Fadden in their books, Extreme Ownership and Dichotomy of Leadership. So um, our goal is not only to develop really strong managers who can think on their feet that we don't have to micromanage, but really to develop leaders 
that can we can give a, uh, a strategic objective for, and they can execute on that. And um, and then also really just to um, reinforce those, these principles that are going to help them in other parts of their lives. Um, you know, these these same principles I use personally in 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 with my my kids and and other relationships I have, and it's just uh, made me like a, a more sort of productive human. Um, as far as other things that you know um, may have qualified to us to to have that honor, um, I think by focusing on um, those just really on those employee resources, um, you know, those resources on, on those employees um, has led to better customer service scores. Um, our our um, online reputation has gotten better over the years, and uh, we have also you know kind of. Uh, grown our, our year-over-year guest count and sales. In addition to our focus on, on team members and company culture, we have grown from 14 to 22 locations in the last year, which uh, this included four locations that are new to the JFOOP system. And lastly, we are a really strong believer in giving back to the JFOOP system. We have worked with JLI to test new services. We've participated in JLI and JFOOP Association of Franchisee Committees. We share best practices with franchisee in, in franchisee meetings and work through some of our programs with uh, other franchisees and kind of walk them through that training center and, and show them kind of what, what we're doing right now. Um, I've, always, I've been helped by so many amazing franchise, franchisees and operators over the years. And so paying for their generosity has been uh, really important to, to me over the last two or three years or so. And looking back on this past year in particular, what do you think have been some of the most challenging factors as a franchisee? Well, you know, I, I don't know if you can, uh, you know, limit those challenges to, to one year. I'd almost spread them out over two, but definitely I think 2021 and 2020 were probably some of the hardest years that most business owners have ever been through. For, for us within our group, by far, 2021 was the hardest year ever, um, ever since we started business. Um, dealing with the mass requirements in California, um, you know, working our way through the pandemic, and most of all, trying to keep our store staff with qualified and service-oriented team members has been a massive challenge. We worked through all these challenges while taking over eight locations in a different state. In addition to that, we've had challenges with getting various supplies, including oil and oil filters. And finally, um, as I think all quick loop operators are seeing right now, the current situation with gas prices has reduced the average miles driven and therefore decreased our gas counts. So that's kind of, you know, a little over the last year, but those are major challenges that I think we're dealing with and almost every other operator around the country that I talk with and talk to. So how do you think the Alamitos group has stepped up to these challenges? So we face the challenges in a few different ways. I mean, first off, um, you know, just dealing with the pandemic and, um, and some of the staffing issues, um, we, we decided to take the approach of, okay, you know what, let's, let's work really closely with the operations team and our human resources team. So uh, we, you know, we're monitoring cases and um, in reporting out on 
on you know how many people are out and decided you know we needed to to do some better reporting on it. So our HR group created a uh, COVID case report, which compared number of employees out with COVID to current employee counts per store and compare that to what the optimum staffing levels are. So we knew if we could need to move employees from one store to another, you know, sometimes we, we may have needed to adjust hours and, and things like that. So we can make good operational um, decisions based on on numbers and, and, uh, and uh, that sort of thing. HR and all, uh, our HR group and operations meets often to discuss recruiting strategies as well as how we can improve our company culture so that we can better retain those good employees that we are able to hire. Uh, to help find new employees, we have a one dedicated recruiting specialist in each state that we do business. They uh, not only work to find uh, potential employees through the standard job search methods and and online resources, but they also work to find employees through some less conventional sources and relationship building with trade schools and other workforce agencies, as well as other other um, charitable organizations that we work with, like the Los Angeles Mission, where um, from time to time we we get some really amazing employees from. And keeping all those those relationships built has been. Um, really important and a job for that resource um, recruiting team. Uh, we brought up our starting wages over 25% in the last two years, which has caused all our other wages to go up. And then we've also integrated new bonus programs as you know, including a uh, program for um, recruiting people uh, for, for giving a bonus to those that uh, stick with us for the first um, uh, 120 days or so. And, um, you know, the challenges with staffing is they're not solved yet, um, but we're also, but we're making, you know, pretty solid headway through all those recruiting programs. And then in order to help overcome the challenges related to product supply and filters were in short supply, we set up weekly calls to monitor shipments with our vendors and, um, and stocking levels at the stores. And, um, and, and then we also built some really strong relationships with secondary vendors. So, um, we were able to keep the stores generally stocked up with uh, oil filters and things like that. The oil supply issues were a little more uh, tricky to overcome, um, but keeping those lines of communication with our primary and secondary vendors um, helped those uh, monitor the, um, you know, that, that supply issue. And then you know, we, we kind of change our order supply uh, timing and things like that to help, help that, that challenge. Um, but this has definitely been a, been a tough year. So you touched on this a little bit already, um, but looking back over this past year, especially knowing that it was tough for everyone, do you have any of the any successes that have really stood out to you in your mind that you have experienced this past year? Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, 2021 was was an absolute dichotomy of a year for us. Um, you know, we had all those challenges, and despite that, we uh, we set up uh, uh, a, or I set up a goal in 2018 and started talking about a path to hit 25 million dollars for our stores in California. Um, my team kind of thought I was crazy because we we're in the midst of of selling some underperforming stores. And so we, we reduced our store counts and I said, uh, okay, now that we've reduced our store counts and our top line sales, let's go ahead and set a, a really big goal of, of um, 25 million. 
Um, and I think at that time we were at about 18 or 19 million. Um, and, uh, uh, last in 2020, we, we, you know, weren't there yet. Uh, in 2021, we, um, we not only, um, you know, hit 25 million, we exceeded by well over a million dollars. So that was a major, major success. We were really proud of, um, in addition to, uh, um, to that, we successfully uh, navigated through the acquisition last year of those, those stores I, I earlier discussed, um, which that included taking over four independent quick loops, which we converted to Jiffy Loops. We acquired three existing Jiffy Loops from another franchisee and then reopened one Jiffy Loop location that had been closed for just over a year in the market. So I had never um, overseen the, the acquisition of that many stores at, at one time. I ne- had never done a um, conversion from uh, independent um, to uh, to a JFU, not to mention four at one time. So that was uh, that was a, um, a big big challenge, and the majority of that work got done in under a month. So um, it was it was a pretty big hurdle. It took a lot of planning, a lot of work, and a lot of teamwork amongst uh, uh, all our team members. Um, but just, you know, with all that, I think our biggest success from last year was that we were able to give the opportunity to become a partner in our our newest group of stores to a long-term and valued team member, and um, and then for another long-term and valued team member, we put together a really creative retirement program for her that um, really kind of let her know that uh, we were investing in her um, long-term, and so. You know, I think, you know, all the successes and top line sales and, and all that and, and growth and everything was, was fantastic. But you being able to kind of catapult those things and say, hey, you know what, um, with our success, hey, we're, we're, we, we dedicate this to you guys and, and those two long-term employees and, and really investing in their future. Um, that was really, that was really a, a massive success for me. And in today's industry, what do you think makes for an effective approach in regards to franchising? Uh, I, I, I kind of, you know, um, we take this on they're like a, a multi-unit franchisee. I guess it's probably true for any franchisee, but especially true for a multi-franchise, a multi-unit franchisee to be successful, they really have to work on training their frontline leaders to make decisions based on, you know, the leaders or strategic objectives and, and expectations. I, I think management needs to be really decentralized um, when you have um, multiple units in your group and you need to trust in your people, but trust, you know, and, and coming up, you know, being decentralized like that, it takes it takes time and training. Operators need to make sure they know that um, their, their store managers and multi-store managers are going to make mistakes and uh, should expect it. And you know, obviously, work to prevent the um, the bigger mistakes. But understand that when smaller mistakes happen, that's okay. Let's we'll use them as learning opportunities and move on. And um, you know, I was just in a meeting this morning and, you know, we had uh, um, promoted someone into a management position and it just doesn't seem like it was working out right. So 
we kind of went through a debrief on on what's uh, what was going on with that particular individual, and I, you know, kind of listened to to what my operations team had to say, and and I said, hey, you know what, this is my fault. You know, I'm the one that that takes care of the leadership training, and and uh, I don't think uh, I, I know I didn't spend the time with this candidate to really let him know what leadership is all about and how to be a better leader and um, it's going to be really successful to run a, uh, a store without being a good leader. So, you know, that, that mistake was on me and, um, and, uh, um, you know, and, and, uh, and then my team sort of then ends up arguing that, you know, on who's, who's taking accountability for, for, you know, this person's, you know, lack of success in their position. But that's just kind of is the culture that we have in this this in our business, and um, and I think that just goes back to that um, leadership training uh, being decentralized and and really looking at when mistakes happen, how we learn from them. Um, the other thing I would say is you know in today's business environment, operators really need to be extremely adaptive and agile. They need to be able to, to change course as the business environment changes and uh, they need to be able to test new ideas. I think, you know, the last two years have really proved to us that you, you've really got to be able to, to think through problems um, and, you know, take iterative uh, steps to, to make changes. But then when things don't work out, be able to make, uh, make other, go, go in a different direction fairly quickly. And, um, you know, I think we've gotten, pretty decent at that over the last couple of years. And with this last question, there's many different ways to answer it. But generally speaking, as we look ahead, what kind of challenges do you expect or maybe anticipate occurring across the industry that will have to be navigated? Well, I guess you could look at it in the near term and in the long term and I think in the near term, I think the economy and the increased gas prices are our biggest challenge right now. Consumers are not driving as much. They have limited budgets to spend on servicing their vehicles. So we need to make sure that we explain services that might be of most important to their vehicle safety, as well as keeping it on the road in good operating condition for a longer period of time and help them make decisions on how to best maintain their vehicle. If they have a uh, transmission service that is recommended at 150,000 miles and they have 160,000 miles, make sure they're aware of it. But, you know, if they don't have the money, they don't have the money and we need to, to understand that and say, well, you know what, you know, right now, maybe your, your, your best uh, purchase decision might be um, for tires because, the tread depth is is you know really low and and um, you know it's it's a safety issue and so even though that transmission is important if you've got to make a decision on this then you know let's let's keep you and your passengers safe and and helping customers make good decisions about the um, the care of their vehicle. Um, on the upside, with economic challenges, our industry usually you know, can fare it pretty well. We'll likely see people not purchasing new cars 
in the in the uh, over the next couple of years, and um, and trying to find ways uh, to extend their life of the, their current vehicles. Um, you know, but uh, that being said, with gas prices being so high, um, you know, people definitely have limited budgets to spend when uh, you know it costs you know you know around a hundred dollars to fill up a gas tank or more. So um, you know, it's it's uh, definitely going to be something crazy over the next year or two until this this issue comes uh, comes to fruition. In the long term, um, I think the changes in mobility are are really going to change our business. Got electric vehicles um, and that growth is is happening, you know, pretty massively, especially here in California. Um, you got ride sharing, alternative car ownerships. I mean, those all things are, are challenges that we um, will need to work on overcoming over the next several years. So, I think you know it's it's going to be a matter of testing new ideas, building relationships with um, ride share companies, um, and I think operators really need to. Um, work together to share best practices. We need to learn from one another um, and and really be adaptive um, in how we handle our business. And you know, by doing those things, I think effectively, I think good operators are going to really thrive over the next twenty to thirty years. All right. And is there anything else that you would like to add or expand on? I think we've covered a lot, and, and um, but you know, Diana, thank you so much for the opportunity today. It's, it's you know really fun, kind of thinking about um, the business and and what you know my group has done right over the last you know, year or two. Um, it's really fun speaking with you about those those things and 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 the business today and the business in the future. Um, I was really proud to be named Jiffy Franchise of the Year um, for 2021. And mostly because there's so many great operators in our system. And I've learned from so many of them and learned to, to um, kind of take their ideas and thoughts and suggestions and, and work them into this, you know, pliable plans for us. And, um, you know, and uh, I don't think I would be at where I'm at today in our my career um, without all of the great franchisees in our system. Um, I also feel so fortunate to have um, an amazing team, both with my operations team as well as our support center um, that have been able to uh, talk through and take some of my crazy ideas and build them into really strong working plans. Um, Over the next few years, you know, I think we're going to see more challenges and, you know, going to be tough, but I think we'll continue to grow the business and continue to help Um, our guests keep their cars on the road for many, many miles to come. Thanks for listening to the Nolan Podcast. Subscribe to us wherever you listen, visit us online at nolan.net, and follow us on social media for more. I'm digital reporter Hannah Bubser. Have a good one. From the team that brings you national oil and lube news comes the ADAPT Automotive Technology Summit, a unique opportunity to learn directly from automakers and industry thought leaders on the shifting landscape of automotive technology. 
Held September 24th through 25th in Arlington, Texas, ADAPT will feature leading voices within the industry discussing how shop owners like you can be prepared to handle the most progressive technology trends disrupting the industry. Register for ADAPT today. Use code PODCAST at adaptsummit.com for $400 off.